pretty little grown man. Hey. I'm David Greenwald. I'm Damson Nicola. Sultry tones. And, <laughs> and we are here to bring you a new episode of Pretty Little Liars to talk about. Uh, this one being episode 19 of season six. We are cruising into the finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of setup for that in this episode, I think, as well as uh, a steamy flashback and a bunch of weird stuff. <laughs> Some some exceptionally weird stuff. Stuff that the show has never done before. And I don't think that I like that at all. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the last minute of the show in which... Um, or this episode in which Hannah sent a text to New A, to Devil Emoji. And uh, we heard a... A, a bad cover song that was joined by some ex- I don't even know how to describe it. I was trying to think of a of some sort of corollary to reference. I mean, this was like so it shows, you know, ones and zeros, binary code transferring through satellites and stuff, and it was like a 199 like a mid 90s like it was like the sequence you would see on like a in a particularly creative full house episode where they're trying to explain how a modem works the olsen twins right like it felt super dated and silly to me uh and i was very uncomfortable about it it reminds me of like um i mean i wish that i had seen uh, a, a movie like hackers or the net recently because i wonder if something like that exists in those movies the net was way less cheesy than that but it reminds me of uh the movie johnny mnemonic where right 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 where the internet, they go on the internet, and it's it looks like Lawnmower Man type level graphics, where it's just like, you know, the 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 sort of the beginning of 3D computer generated effects, and it's supposed to be like the cutting edge, and we're in this, you know, uh, dystopian super advanced future where everyone is connected through the net, and but it's like really shitty looking (laughs) right right well and that wasn't even the weirdest thing that happened in the episode (laughs) i think the weirdest thing was was ali's vision uh but i want to i want to step back to the beginning and kind of come from the emily cliffhanger and walk through a little bit of the episode i took notes this week i I noticed that uh just on the main the main beats and we won't go through all of them but uh episode opens with emily facing off with mona which was like the cliffhanger of last episode and mona basically says i called charlotte i wanted to see what she was still holding over our heads Mm -hmm. and she didn't come out to the place where i was drinking coffee and eating pie because i'm not like fitz and drink beer and eat pie so i i believe mona yes um this was I, this episode. I think puts Mona into the good person. Like good, she's 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 not an evil villain. I think we can say definitively after this episode. Yeah, and later in the episode, there is a very small scene between her and Sarah Harvey, which not only convinces me that Mona is genuine, but also makes it pretty clear that evil emoji must be Sarah Harvey. Right. You know, right? As if there was any doubt whatsoever. Because because Mona says, you know, uh, like, what are you doing? You can't get any more out of this. And Sarah's like, well, if you dig hard enough, 
So it's well, obvious. She says, she says you can't get reparations from a corpse, yeah. uh, which is great. Uh, but also, I guess, does that mean this is all about money? That that Charlotte owed Sarah Harvey money? Like, was that is that what she really wanted? Out I don't of all know. This? I mean, or was it something more? Because assuming that Sarah Harvey is evil emoji, then Sarah Harvey is hoping that by the liars coming out and giving her the killer that somehow that she, will benefit her somehow. Well, because remember when she approached Allison and said, let's connect the dots on what we knew about Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I think she wants to connect the dots with the killer and find out where Charlotte's secret stash or whatever, which clearly is not in Radley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what could it be? Is it, it could it, beyond money. Like what, what else is there? You know, like Sarah Harvey's like childhood memorabilia, you know, like well, they something must, of emotional value. They must think that it's in the basement of Radley. Uh-huh. You know, because a large part of this episode was Sarah Harvey obtaining uh, uh, plans from City Hall for the basement of Radley, which apparently you can get pretty easily. Yeah. Um, the So the one thing that uh, maybe this is just kind of a... Maybe I'm nitpicking, which I have a tendency to do, but still, Mona Mona wants to meet Charlotte the first like hour that she basically gets out of fucking the the institution and decides to like get a hold of her in the in literally in the middle of the night like Mona couldn't wait a day or two. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to call her at two in the morning. Right, she'll definitely be awake. Right, and then she'll come get coffee with me. Right, as opposed to taking this detour to the church to to go get murdered. Right. So somehow between yeah, which exactly. So I believe Mona, but I don't understand why Mona felt the need to do this immediately in the middle of the night. Right. I agree. Um because even somehow Mona convinced Charlotte to leave. Which is strange cuz you think that Mona would be like, "Okay, well, I'll give I'll give her a night or two to get reacquainted, you know, you know, at home." with Allie. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, you know, I actually, I like that because I thought it showed the, you know, the paranoia and the fear that Mona had, uh, when Allie came back, you know, that's a part of her, her character and imagining her just sitting around for five years, knowing that there's this person who could destroy your life, Mm -hmm. who has secrets about you. Uh, and you don't know what her intentions are going to be. Uh, to imagine Mona living with that panic, I thought was a pretty effective uh, image to set up. You know, you're right. You, you just convinced me. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good work. I wasn't trying to. That was just it my, was pretty easy. That was just my I, was, I wasn't totally like sold on my, on my nitpicking. So. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, you know, this is a television recap podcast, so there's no such thing as nitpicking. This is just what we do, man. I guess that's true. We're, we're just getting it. It's all nitpicking. It's, it's true. All, it's it's all, all getting in there. Because otherwise you could just watch the damn show. You know, it's, the, the, the really strange thing about this episode is uh, I don't think that much really happened. It, it, just, it set up a bunch, but, you know, for all the, the big shocking things that were supposed to have occurred, really all that happened was Hannah set her plan into motion. Right. 
And right. really, that's all that happened. Well, I think there was a little bit of a distraction in this episode, too. Uh, so Allie is off on her honeymoon uh, with Mr. Doctor, and they're having this moment of marital bliss. They clearly just came from the bedroom uh, doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> and she turns and just trips and falls down the stairs. Yeah. And we see a shot of her shoe, and it doesn't look like anything's wrong. I'd have to go back and look at the freeze frame but you know it seems like she just was wearing heels and tripped right you know uh and then later she's in the hospital and of course there's paranoia among the liars like did did new a do this did sarah harvey do this somehow magically um and there's a card with a staircase on it in this in this these flowers that get brought in and in it there's pictures little cartoons of uh the five of them with three of them x'd out and we're supposed to believe we're supposed to count Emily for one because her eggs were stolen or whatever. Or or she was chased by the sentient car. Right, right. So I guess it's saying, you know, I can get to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think with the Arya flame situation, I mean, no one pushed Arya into the fire. It was an accident. It, you know, there was no... That was clear. That, that was not something that someone... If that was a death trap, that was like the, the, the least competent, like most... Uh, unpredictable death trap possible. And same with this thing where it seems pretty clear that Allie just falls. Right. And nothing bad happens to her. Well, you know, nothing yeah. like... It, she was not... There's no wire. There's no... I don't know. It's just like one of these things where contrasting to the extremely elaborate death traps of past episodes, I feel like uh, Sarah Harvey slash Sneaky A is trying to take credit for bad things that happened. And was not actually responsible, and is not nearly as all powerful or all knowing as um, she was while in cahoots with Charlotte. Yeah, I mean that's if, my theory. If if I mean maybe maybe the whole like Sarah Harvey talking to Mona thing was just a just a, you know a red herring. I don't I don't think so at all. But, but then we have to accept that that a Sarah Harvey is a, a, another genius. Which I don't, I don't buy. I don't, it. I don't think she's a genius. I don't think we. I don't think New A has been proven to be like on the level of Mona or Charlotte. Uh, no, that's true. But she is like smart. Like she's she has computer skills. Sure. We fu- but we have to remember that Sarah was working with Charlotte. I suppose that's true. You know. But I mean, the other something. thing, the other thing, this is you know a similar thing happened in the last episode where you know you have these the note cards left at the wedding to be seen in the photos later on. If you like zoom in to eight X or whatever, it's yeah. just like these, this very, it's just, it's just sloppy villainy, man. Mm-hmm. It's just not great super villainy. And I think it's a sign that Sarah Harvey is like a mediocre super villain. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to mention the scene between Mona and Sarah Harvey reminded me of in Spider-Man three when uh Sandman is just walking around in some alley and like Venom sneaks out from behind him. He's like, Hey Sandman, let's go kill our enemy Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like these forces combining. Of course in this one, you know, it's Mona saying, leave the liars alone, but yeah. that's somehow the image. But Sarah Harvey did emerge from the shadows like a fucking creep. Right. There's so much, smarmy creepiness in this in this episode from characters i feel like there's a lot of uh actions on behalf of characters that felt a little too uh um, i don't know overboard i guess just like this Melo- and, uh, melodramatic 
Yeah, well, I mean, the show is pretty typically melodramatic, but I... Okay, here's my here my examples. Uh, one, Hannah conscripting Caleb into her plan, but then pretty obviously just, like, getting kind of... Ha- like, the whole grabbing of Caleb's hand Yeah. while Caleb's girlfriend is sitting in the chair sucking back glass of wine after glass of wine because she's obviously uncomfortable by the whole situation. Right. First of all, I don't get why Caleb, uh, and you can talk about Caleb's hubris here in a second, but yes, I don't, I don't hubris. get, I don't get why Caleb is like so gung ho about this without checking with his supposed girlfriend. They like didn't break up, but now they're acting like they're strangers again. It's really, it was a really weird dynamic, you know? And, Caleb obviously was made uncomfortable by Hannah's actions. Hannah just, like, didn't seem to give a fuck. Uh, it's almost like she was pissed off at, at Spencer and finally just, like, coming to terms with being pissed off. Right. Um, uh, that's one example is Hannah just acting like kind of an asshole. Second would be Lucas acting like a smarmy fuck the whole episode. Just, like, sitting there listening to Hannah uh, on the phone. We, I mean, we know that, we know that uh, Lucas obviously loves Hannah and is not on board with her getting married to Jordan, and even is super jealous when Caleb comes over. Uh, but he's grinning like he's grinning like a little Weasley guy, and he's just like, "I'm gonna buy you a, a warehouse." Yeah, he. I found he, out what I can give you that no one else can—a fuckload of money. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't <laughs> believe that line of dialogue. <laughs> I figured out what I could give you that no one else can. And it's like, clearly not your sparkling personality, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I thought, okay, so Lucas was an interesting character in this episode because he comes back and, okay, so so far my theories about this season have been pretty wrong. Let's go on the record with that. You know, this is not uh, political punditry where I never have to say I'm sorry for saying Marco Rubio was going to be the one true choice. (laughs) Uh, So I thought this episode, the title is... Um, did you miss me? Mm-hmm. And I thought this was going to be the episode where Charlotte comes back. Yeah. Uh, but actually, no, Oh, someone does come back and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, it was not Charlotte. So that theory is wrong. Maybe Charlotte, well, Charlotte's probably dead. Mm-hmm. Fine. Uh, and then my other theory, uh, what was my other theory? Mm. Oh, that Kayla or that Lucas was going to be like surveilling the shit out of his oh, house yeah, yeah, yeah. and wasn't just like, in love with this girl from high school and thought he'd be like able to impress her now that he's rich and fashionable, which, which clearly, you know, it goes into these old situations where, you know, Spencer's like, Oh, you're a boy. Let me like use you to get what I want. And I, you know, Hannah's navigating that a little bit more maturely and she turns down, uh, Lucas's offer to just give her a shit ton of money to start a business. Uh, and she still got Jordan kind of hanging on the line, but then she jumps in with Caleb to be like, yeah, you and me against the world. Yeah. Which is so ridiculous. I don't understand why, I don't understand why, uh, Caleb and Hannah are so adamant about, they're just, they're, they're just stubborn in ways that they don't need to be stubborn. Like they don't have to be an asshole. Everybody like this isn't a democracy. We're going to do this, whether you're on board or not. It's like, I'd be like. Fuck you. Why don't you just like talk to me about it first and maybe ask me before you assume that I'm not going to help you. Right. Because this is a thing that potentially puts everyone in jeopardy. And for Caleb to assume, 
I'm the hero. I'm which he's been doing this whole season. Yeah. Uh, I'm the hero. I'm going to save everyone. I'm super smart. When motherfucker could not even hack the other person, hack the other team's campaign without it getting traced back to their IP. Yeah. Like, bro, you were, you were not like surveillance genius, you know, <laughs> like he, he was never on Mona's level. They should be calling up Mona yeah. to do this for, for one. Right. So it's yeah he he I would like to see him get in some trouble get in some hot water because uh, he is way out of his league and he's out of his depth because it's this tra- this all this traumatic stuff did not happen to him it happened to these four women right and he needs to like respect their shit instead of and respect his girlfriend's shit Ooh. instead of being like I'm gonna do what's best for you because I'm the hero and it's like no bro you're just not. You're no, just not. He is definitely not respecting his girlfriend's shit at all. But we did get... Spencer was, was in a, a, a dark place this episode. She was. She's, She's brooding like hell. Just knocking back wine, which is like the new thing. <laughs> Pretty little liars. Everyone just knocks back some knocks back some vino. But we did get... What did you think of the flashback back to uh, Spencer and Caleb's time in, in Europe? I mean, I guess I half expected them to hook up and then... Then it'd be a lie that they said that they never did that. Um, first of all, I mean, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna say something that a lot of people would automatically be decided upon, but I I don't know. First of all, I'm totally on board with 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 Spalib, and I think I've made that clear. We've both made that clear. Uh, is the only reason? So is this out of the question? I I understand that like. I understand that it's like not it's not friend code to hook up with your friend's ex. Like I understand that that's like taboo, you know. But if 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 Spencer and Caleb were to hook up in Spain, I don't think that, that would be the end of the world. And I don't think that in a lot of ways it's like everyone everyone I don't I don't know. That do, if if they were to hook up, I don't think that that would a surprise me or b like really like I don't think I really care that fucking much. Right. right. Um, but I think it's hotter that they don't, and that the tension is just in the air, crackling between them. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess that's kind of is, is that the only point of that flashback was to show that even back then there was some insane sexual tension between them. I think that, and then all the stuff about how what Spencer likes about him is that he's unpredictable and he's spontaneous. And maybe that was intentionally connected to this episode in which he spontaneously decides to run the show and, and help Hannah on this preposterous plan to draw out Sarah Harvey slash sneaky a. Yeah. So there's badness to unpredictability as well. (sighs) I also, you know, you know what's really strange about this whole plan that they have going on is, as they've learned in the past, they're just openly discussing this plan in what, like Spencer's uh, barn? Yeah, they're they're loudly discussing the plan. Emily calls Arya on a phone, which can be tapped yeah. to discuss it. It's just such a everyone meets in this, everyone gets together, and they're all in the same room. Like you were telegraphing. The, the fact that something is happening mm-hmm. so obviously and I mean 
certain things have to be done to move the plot along. Right. Certain things have to be done for dramatic purposes, have them all in the same room, escalate the tension. But this used to be a show about surveillance. Mm -hmm. And you would think that the liars would come up with, you know, it's it's hard to say if the show has decided not to make the liars better on this just because it's doesn't play as well on TV mm-hmm. to, to for them to like get new phones every episode, right? You know, um, so I think we can probably assume that it's okay and that A does not have everyone wiretapped, but I don't know. There's also I you know Lucas's apartment all went haywire, and it's like was that an accident or was that because someone hacked it? You know, it's like it's it's very within the realm of possibility of the show that everyone is tapped everyone is uh under surveillance i think it would be funny if you know this is just a new new sneaky a being taking advantage of coincidence and accidents because there's a lot of like there's a lot of coincidental things happening that's true you know that's true um which may, which obviously leads to the idea that it's it's not coincidence and it's it's being caused somehow. Um, but I, there's part of me that wonders if it would have been more effective. And I thought that this was going to happen. <clears throat> it would have been more effective for Hannah and Caleb to come up with this plan and just do the plan and to keep it only between them. Well, there's that whole scene where. Spencer walks in on Hannah and Caleb and they're kind of standing together in this awkward way. And the first thing that goes to my mind is they're going to be like, we're getting back together, (laughs) you know, and you can see the tension on Spencer's face. And she's like, what happened with Allie? What's going on? And she's very ginger as Mm -hmm. she, she gingerly approaches that scene. Yeah. Uh, And Hannah tells her this whole lie that she was the one who killed Charlotte. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, Caleb has bought into Lying to this girl, lying to his girlfriend, to have the authenticity, the authenticity of this plan yeah, working out. That's what I thought. But too. then Hannah's like, "See, she believed it. I'm such a good little actress." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay," because I didn't want Caleb to be uh, culpable in lying to his, lying to Spencer. Right, that he chooses this this lie over a functional relationship with Spencer. Right. Um, not that it really, I mean, not that it really changes much because it's like, it's not like they really act like they're together at all for the rest of the episode. I mean, they're right. There's even no... like weird things where they're like sitting apart all the time. They're not really looking each other in the eye. It's just so, it's weird. It's like there's this, un- understandably, there's some tension, but it's like suddenly there's this unspoken idea that they're like not together. Yeah, there is an unrealistic level of distance between them in this episode, uh, and I thought that was poor, poor job. Yeah, and it makes it makes Spencer look shitty too, um, because she's essentially just reacting like a like a like a jilted lover the whole episode instead of, you know, and even and even dropping like super bitter comments like, uh, like for. Like Emily's like, are you are you okay with this plan? And Emily's like freaking out as Emily has. I'm starting to see the 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 Emily personality, which is like she's confronted with something and she's the only one who's just like, uh, you guys, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right, uh, right, right. Do you not understand? <laughs> um, and Emily looks at Spencer and is like, are you on board with this? And Spencer's like, for once, I'm not the one who 
it's like I'm fine with it because I'm for once I'm not, I'm not the one who has to come up with the plan. I'm all tapped out. Yeah, and it's just like, girl, okay. There oh, were damn. Yeah, there were like multiple points in this episode where I feel like someone could have used an f bomb productively. <laughs> and one was like at the very end of last episode where Emily on an R rated <laughs> show could have said, "Get in the fucking car." <laughs> yeah. And in this one, I feel like it could have been Spencer just being like, "What the fuck ever, man." <laughs> I sh- what do you want me to say? Um, yeah, so that wasn't, that was an interesting dynamic and I think a little bit felt a little bit artificial. Mm -hmm. Um, I also thought it was aggravating that Hannah comes up with this plan and it's implied that Caleb's going to like prepare all this technological shit to like help see it through, uh, which God knows what that means, but that's like, you know, obviously, I mean, that's obviously set up for next episode and not wanting to lay everything out. Mm -hmm. So it looks cooler next week, but it's also just like felt unrealistic in the context of like, you need to tell everyone involved what your crazy idea is. Cause in the past when Hannah's had a master plan, like let's go pick up Mona's dead body from the vat, you know, (laughs) uh, hasn't really worked out for her. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was sort of interesting to see Caleb get drafted back into the like the the Hannah plowing ahead idea, even though she's older and wiser. She's had she, you know, took a little bit more time to think about this plan. Mm-hmm. So it seems a little bit more astute than a typical Hannah plan. But again, uh, I think Caleb is due to get fucked up by somebody. <laughs> and also uh I'm trying. I don't really know of a better way of doing this, but the whole Hannah text, "Leave my friends alone." I killed Charlotte. Felt so anticlimactic. Which is just like, all right, here you go. I'm gonna give you. I killed Charlotte. Beep boop beep beep. Doop, doop, zoom. Right. One one zero zero. Well, one, one, yeah. Zero. I mean, I thought the real moment of tension with that was when she was talking to, uh, when she was trying to convince Spencer. Mm-hmm. But then having the whole ridiculous montage sequence of the code, the text flying through all the satellite towers and then beaming to Ace phone at the what end. Like, the fuck was that? Oh my God. It was like, it, it was like it, a, it oh, like a any, shitty David Fincher movie. It took any tension out of the thing. I mean, it would have been a lot better. Not that I'm a Hollywood director, but I would have just sent the text. A gets the text, you know, stands up, closes her laptop and like, you see like a cape or something just like, you know, turn quickly <laughs> as, as she rushes out of the room. You know, mm-hmm. like jumping into action, uh, and that would have been a lot more exciting to me than this weird mid '90s idea of what telecommunication looks like. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, the future I, is now. I, I want to skip talking about everything that happened with Ezra and Arya, and I, <laughs> and I want to skip talking about everything that happened with um, Sarah Harvey's like uh, assistant bro. Although we did learn, we did see Sarah Harvey driving a car with her hands mm. on a wheel. So presumably that means she is totally chill as seems incredibly obvious. Yeah. So that's, you, that's good. You have this well-dressed creepy man who's getting ice cream amongst all these kids. Right. That was funny. That was <laughs> a funny shot. Actually, there was one interesting thing that happened there, which was Emily surveying Mona and assistant bro mm-hmm. with her phone, like sending the Periscope feed or whatever to uh, Spencer, yeah. which is like the first time we've seen the liars surveilling someone, I think. Right. Like getting somebody else on video. I mean, sure. You know, as far as I, I don't know, I, I think so. That, just, ma- that makes sense to me. It felt like 
I don't, the show didn't play it as like a big moment, but to me it felt like, whoa, they're actually ahead of the, they're actually like ahead of the game for once. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like legitimately getting, you know, unless Mona did that super flagrantly, which maybe she did, but, uh, it was like, whoa, they're actually ahead of the game. They're actually doing some, running some spy shit today. Although it does, it does seem the way that Mona, I feel like Mona's too smart to hide or to not, she's too smart to not hide unless she had a reason to do so. And so it seems like what she was doing on, was on the up and up because she was being so like open about it. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, it's like when I took the SAT, uh, and you get the, I don't know what you get in the modern SAT, but when I took it and like, 14 years ago uh you have these reading comprehension questions and mm-hmm. you get these multiple choice answers where it could be one thing but sort of the the deeper answer is this other thing yeah you know and i was always reading for like the deeper uh-huh. meaning you know so i would uh, i would actually like the question is like easier than i thought it was yeah and i feel like we approach the show like that sometimes mm-hmm. thinking okay but what's the second level of it or what really happened as opposed to <laughs> It just is what it is. It's, it's just, <laughs> and we're constantly it's, proven wrong. Right, right. It's just, it's just another scene. It's fine. The liars actually did get it and got lucky, and it's fine. Yeah. So I, that's probably what happened in that episode. But it was, it was nice to me to get to see them actually on the other side for for the first time that I can remember on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Mona says that she was apparently talking to him because she was, he was. Did she did she say that she saw him or she got a hold of him somehow? She comes up she like is very diplomatic about it and was like wanted to see how Sarah was doing and then of course Sarah has to like escalate it into scary alleyway territory. Yeah. Uh Sarah's like you're just going to be lonely. You're going to be lonely like me. I'm a very lonely person as well. Right. That's my Sarah Harvey impression. It's pretty good. Hey Mona. <laughs> it's pretty good thanks thanks um okay that Uh, leaves us with the elephant and or ghost and or dream sequence so this is this is the second i want to say apparition it's not a ghost because as we learned from the christmas episode uh when ali saw ghost mona not canon (laughs) christmas episode isn't canon (laughs) i don't think that I don't, I don't think most of the writers, especially the person who wrote it, would think so. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> no disrespect. We, we love we loved your work on this season, but but it's true. But I mean, come on. Uh, Allie sees. Okay, actually, this is interesting mm-hmm. because Allie was visited by this this ghost Mona, mm-hmm. right? And we later find out, obviously, it wasn't ghost Mona because Mona wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Um. And when we talk to the uh, ghost lady uh, who who was talking to Allie at the sorority house, the supernatural lady, she said, yeah, Mona's underground somewhere. And then, of course, she's in prison in a bunker. Yeah. Um, so it was always show canon that Mona was alive. And, right. uh But the fact that it was Allie who had that imagery and that sequence and it wasn't clear to her if it was a dream or if it was real. Okay. Here's Allie once again, seeing a vision. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there is a mental illness element to bring up, Mm -hmm. uh, because 
you know, clearly Charlotte was someone who was institutionalized and struggled with uh, many things uh, beyond the issue of wanting to uh, transition and, mm-hmm. and being having to deal with this unwelcoming family situation and so on. Um, so maybe there's a history of some genetic or not genetic, but you know, maybe there's a history of mental illness in the De Laurentiis family. That makes sense. Maybe Allie is seeing something, mm-hmm. uh, and has a history of seeing something, or maybe that's me looking too deep again at this show and we should ignore the Christmas episode and just wonder if this was Allie's sort of subconsciousness telling her to like, let go of the past, including her dead mother, whose vision appears to her. Well, but that's the thing is, I don't think so, because one, we don't know who killed Mrs. De Laurentiis. True. Uh, two, I still don't trust uh, uh, Dr. Husband. And, <laughs> right. And three, the things that she says to her, that Mrs. Ghost, Mrs. De Laurentiis says to Allie, are... I feel like they can be very, they're kind of duplicitous. They're, they're like, they can be interpreted in two different ways. One is, don't worry, everything's okay, let go. Another one is, um, oh, he's taking care of you, which means that like he is doing some, some shit right. to ensure that you're okay, right. which might have meant, meant like, oh, he killed Charlotte to make sure that you're going to be okay. Right. You know, or some, something along those lines. I don't think so. I think this is a benevolent ghost slash vision slash subconscious message. Hmm. I think it's sincere in saying, Allie, you're going to be fine now. Be happy. I mean, there's there was like a lot of character arc for Allie in this episode where she's happy that she's married and then she falls down the stairs and then she's like, I'm being she has like this weird idea of karma where she's like, you know, I'm being punished. I have survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Dr. Mr. Husband is like, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, so, you know, I think that was, it could be viewed as like an extreme attempt to this like weird dramatic way of trying to close part of Allie's storyline, especially with the finale coming up next week. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I didn't find that. I didn't find that sort of alley journey of the season to be particularly interesting. No. In part because we haven't, we didn't really ever see her with Charlotte. We didn't see the relationship they built. There was no right. flashback. You know, we have to like trust that this connection existed. There was based one on, scene based on based on Allie's acting ability, yeah. and I think she does a nice job. But uh, I think it's kind of too much of a stretch for us to have that emotional resonance with it. Oh, I totally agree. I feel like that's, you know, I don't think that uh, Sasha Peters, Peters? Something like that. Peters, yeah, however you pronounce it. Uh, I I don't think that she's a bad actress by any means. Um, I just feel like all of the relationships that she's supposed to be having, uh, especially with Charlotte and with uh, Dr. Husband, (laughs) I don't think that... (laughs) <laughs> there's any like there's there's no chemistry there especially right. with dr husband right. like they just do not seem it's it feels so forced right which makes me which maybe he's fine maybe he's not evil but their chemistry m- makes me see that it's like he's he's actually evil yeah it's not it's not spalove 
It's not a Spalev situation. It is not Spalev. Although I think all the tweens hate Spalev and miss Haleb. But I also think it's like when you hear your the first record by your favorite band, you know they're never going to put out one you like more because that was the first one. That was your first love. It has a special meaning for you. So the first ship you see on a TV show, I think, is the ship that really sticks with you, even though uh, Spalub is like objectively way hotter. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. It's like uh, it's like Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. People just can't let go. Right, right. I feel like Selena Gomez can't let go. I feel like her her new album was her dealing with some of those things still. Yeah, I think for both of them, their new albums are really playing out the soap opera of their emotions. <laughs> that sounds like the name of one of their albums could be the soap opera of my emotions. Yeah. So, okay. Do we think Mrs. D is one, alive, Two, a ghost. Three, subconscious message. Okay, so... Four, thing that the show will never explain because of sloppy plotting. Oh, so, so can we back up for a second? Uh, yes, yes. Back to the first time that Allie saw a, a not ghost, which is... Remember that whole weird scene where Allie like, had her legs broken? Or she saw a vision of herself with her legs broken or something? Like yes. that. You know what I'm talking about? Right. That. Right. Yeah. Her legs cut off or something. Yeah. And that never came to pass. No. I mean, that is that like still going to happen? That's a whole weird thing that I totally forgot about. Yeah. I don't. And But the thing is, it's like, that could be symbolic. But what the fuck is that symbolic of? Yeah. You know, it could easily have been symbolic, but they never once addressed that. Nothing ever happened remotely at all with Allie and her legs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... She went to jail. I, right. I mean, I think, man, I think the whole Alley character has been this huge missed opportunity in that part of it is that the show has chosen to focus on these four characters mm-hmm. and to really give them full development and emotional lives and decisions and so on. And Allie, since her return, has gone from being this sort of like uh, protective, uh, self-protecting, villainous character to like forced back into villainy um, and distancing herself from the liars after they and Mona decide, Oh, she's a psychopath. All mm-hmm. right. That explains everything. Let's just go with that. Cause you know, not that we're clinical, whatever. Right. Uh, and then pivoted immediately into this super warm, like conservative character, which she remains. And yet we really didn't see, we saw very little of her two years running around. We got very little sense of like, what she was doing besides running from nothing running from, she didn't know what she was running from, right. You know, dealing with all of her like blackmailing and, and poisonous things that she left behind her. But ultimately she was running from her sister. Right. Mm -hmm. And she really didn't need to do that. And so a lot of that running from Mona or Mona, I mean, but uh, yeah, so a lot of that that so that whole section of the first few years of the show never really got explained in a way I found satisfactory. Uh, no. it, it doesn't really make sense, and so her character arc doesn't make sense because it's missing all these huge chunks. It never really reconciled like the weird like eight episodes of her being bad mm-hmm. that we saw in season five or whatever. Yeah, five uh, A. So her whole character is sort of 
anything that comes out of her character, I think, is just going to be it's it's just not going to be cathartic for me. No, I definitely agree. Um, I I think that you know that the show has a tendency to do that, which it it never it never stops and goes backwards. Um, to fill in story details, it retcons when it needs to, and then it just moves on full steam. Well, and the problem is, you know, we have these moments where, okay, Allie sits down and tells the liars, okay, here's everything that happened, mm-hmm. and here's this whole explanation. Uh, but then we have these other moments where you think you know what happened, and then it comes out just, like, randomly. Mona's like, oh, yeah, I killed Bethany Young. No big deal. All right, let's move along. You just didn't know that for the last four years or whatever. Right. Um, so there's all these, like, you know, it's a show about lying, and there's all these casual lies and a lot of deception, and you're never really sure what's going on. And so when you get this moment where it seems like you're finding out all the plot, and then Allie, like, immediately concocts a lying story to tell the police of what was going on and just starts making shit up again, it's like, well, what? how, how am I, the viewer, supposed to tell this all apart? Yeah. You know, where is the marker that, no, this is really the thing? Right. And I mean, this is what we go back and forth on is like with Mo- a character like Mona, where, okay, in this episode, yeah, because we see her with Sarah. So it seems like, okay, well, that must be a genuine interaction versus her interaction with the liars. Right. You know, that seems more trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I feel like. I don't know how to feel, but I do feel like I when when you have this much uncertainty, um I think that what you're constantly to to bring it to sort of like a thirty thousand foot view, I feel like what you're constantly deal with is fatigue. <clears throat> Granted the season is almost over. Um, but in this these past couple episodes and I feel like honestly we've probably had a, a good handful of episodes where we've expressed similar ideas, but, um, when, when there are so many holes and, and characters start doing things that don't make any sense and plot takes, uh, takes precedent, uh, not precedent, uh, when plot dominates character development or, 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 earned character arcs you start to feel fatigue about what's going to happen next because then it all starts to feel the same right well and the thing is too that the show brought in all these new characters this season and then effectively wrote jordan off of the show he hasn't appeared he's been he's been like what 20 15 minutes of the the whole season well that's another thing is i don't understand why um why he's we're essentially watching a really slow motion dissolution of a relationship. Why doesn't Jordan just like come back and be like, Hannah, you're acting like a fucking crazy asshole. Yeah. Let's let's get this shit together. Come on. Right. Or even Lee, I mean, Liam effectively gets written off on this episode too, because the book, the book editor comes to talk to Ezra and Aria and says, it's not clear if she knows about Ezra and Aria. I don't think she does. Uh, I, I think it's hinted that she does because she's asking about their work dynamic together and maybe Liam told her something about it, which is why she wants to supervise it directly because Liam found out last week. Hmm. But anyway, I mean, she basically says, you're not going to deal with Liam. You're going to deal with me. And she refers to Liam as a past tense boyfriend, uh, which is not the case, which makes it seem like she thinks Arya and Ezra 
are back together. It's weird. It's it's worded really strangely because I think that, and I and I was thinking this actually when it was happening, which was she says, "You're what we used to refer to as an item," and I think that that's poorly written because I would. It I could think, be like back in the day. Yeah, I think she means <laughs> okay. like okay. when you know when I was younger, we would have called you an item. Um, because I get the impression that the reason that she's taking Liam out of the mix is because of her relationship. The, the, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, um, but, but either way, uh, it's a means of getting Liam less airtime. And so you have all these new characters who are brought in to sort of showcase the way the liars have moved on. And I guess what we're getting to at the end of this, at the end of the season is that none of them have really moved on. Mm-hmm. All of them are still, uh, wrapped up in what they left behind in high school. And that is kind of deflating. Uh, and I guess we'll see how next week deals with that particular theme and hopefully deals with it in a way that uh, is a little more cathartic than that. Yeah, and they wanted to bring Toby in on it, which it's it's funny because it feels like Toby's the only person who has legitimately like moved on. You know, like, I don't think. That well, but even he's struggling with, you know, Spencer's back in town and he's like, well, I didn't really think you're going to be living here again. And yeah. I, I'm not going to propose to my girlfriend now that you're back because it's weird. <laughs> so, so even I think even he like, I guess that's true, is a little bit attached. Yeah. Uh, the whole. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. This episode just rubbed me in the wrong way. It felt like this, like, weird alternate universe of this past season. Things just felt off through the whole episode. Um, like I was saying about like characters just acting. It was like characters acting as caricatures, um, which I don't know, just didn't sit right with me. That whole, and I know we were going to skip over this, but that whole um, uh, weird scene between when Arya's reading her and Ezra's book and Ezra is basically just like, yeah, this is how it happens. Last time I saw her. And the only thing I could think of the whole time was, holy fuck, this book is boring as shit. Right. right. Well, that was, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to hate on Ezra like we usually do, but yeah, I mean the, the dialogue, <laughs> okay that, the dialogue that Ezra writes in the book is really bad. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh my God. It's not a good book. No, it just, the scene just goes on and on it's like it's like reading a uh a like freshman's uh like account like first first attempt at fiction where they're like writing about their like new their first like boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that you know like just kind of like cutesy back and forth it's it's honest man it's authentic i don't want authenticity what is this book even about? It's about true love. <laughs> I want to. I want to know about, the plot to this book. Yeah, I want to know the title. Um, well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, do you have any hopes or dreams or fears for the finale? I I don't really understand. They're not going to close out the plot. No, in the next I think episode. that this. So that I think leads this into, finale is going to be. It's gonna, there's going to be a huge cliffhanger, but I think it's going to be deeply unsatisfying. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Or it's going to be Sarah Harvey's revealed, but then Sarah Harvey's going to say, but then if it wasn't you who killed Charlotte, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, we didn't, we forgot about the actual murderers <laughs> who killed Charlotte, who are not one, but probably two people. 
yeah. Eh, okay. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get to Sarah Harvey, which is obvious. And then next season is going to have to be like, okay, we actually have to find out who Charlotte's killers are now, though. Hmm. I hope. Or not. I don't know. I really don't know what I want the show to do next because the A texting is sort of played out. You know, it feels it feels a little boring. Uh, I I can tell you uh, two things I want. One is for them never to ever do that whole internet binary code thing <laughs> yeah. ever again. Yeah. Please don't do that ever again. Two is I want to see Lucas wear some of those ties that Hannah got him. That'd be nice. You know, it's like what I was saying. Uh, we were we were texting about this, uh, which I thought at the time I thought was a good um, a good theory, which is that. Uh, Hannah and Jordan break up, right? And Lucas swoops in, which is what he's poised to do. But like he I was, wants it so badly. But like I was saying when we were watching it, like it's just Hannah shows no interest in him romantically whatsoever. Right. Well, and why would you, you know, as with anyone who's had this situation in real life, why would you want to be with someone who doesn't really know you that well, hasn't seen you in years, and is ready to be like, yeah, I'll be a puppy dog and give you a million bucks and you know, not actually try to establish an adult connection with you. I know he's like, he's, it's just gross. He, he is being gross. That whole, like <laughs> Caleb, uh, uh, we should, we should lunch. And Caleb's like, what? <laughs> he's like, do you, do you lunch? And Caleb's like, are you asking me if I eat lunch? Like, yes, I eat lunch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, then, we'll, then we'll lunch. I eat three meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not eating tiny, like I'm not eating like six meals a day and just having snacks every two to three hours. Right, which well, maybe that's the way to go. It's a thing. Maybe when you're a programmer, you know, you you don't eat lunch. Yeah, he just drinks. He drinks Soylent, so he doesn't have a. He's probably not drinking, eating real food anymore. He he drinks uh, monster energy drinks. Yeah, hey man, <laughs> whatever whatever gets you through the day. Red Bulls. Um. Well. I think we did a good job of slicing and dicing this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PLGM podcast and tell us your theories. Uh, I am bummed. We didn't get any Melissa in this episode, but as usual, we never get anything out of Melissa. She's like this, this little, this, this, <laughs> you know, this slippery phantom. Um, anyway, Melissa, I feel like the NAT club is going to be like Walt. Yeah, it is. It's going to be like Walt, where it was like this amazing idea, this great like bait dangled in front of us, and then it's like, yeah, we're just, we're just not going to do that anymore. Yeah, it was just it was just a boy with special powers. Yeah, why not? Um, but yeah, talk to us on Twitter, and, uh, um, and we're having, uh, having some brewskis tonight. Yeah, we are. Uh, so it's time for fake sponsors, which I know we promised uh, a jingle. Um, Phil is still working do, do, on do, it. Do, 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 do. He he even uh, he sent me his sketches for two possibilities, and I told him to do both. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, but until then, it's time for fake sponsors. And this week, we're we're sort of bringing back another fake sponsor. It is Bell's Two Hearted Ale because uh, Belmont Station is running out of their one-time special shipment and so now there's only cans so we're drinking sort of these very attractive looking tall boys i I like i like bell's i like the two-hearted ale colors the sort of bronzy orange with the sort of like super dark i don't know it's like chrome green or something yeah it's very it's a very nice can yeah i like the color palette uh yeah bell's two-hearted ale their flagship beer it's an ipa 
It's from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and it's one of my favorite IPAs, and I'm glad it's still in my life. It's a very nice beer. I think I had it maybe, I had like a very lukewarm glass of it in Kansas last summer, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in the can, I was very impressed by it. Yeah, it's good. So Bells, if you want to officially sponsor us, uh, contact us on Twitter, I suppose. Yeah. Or you can give me a call. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> We're here. Uh, if you want to, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to drop a rating on us on iTunes, uh, helps us reach more listeners. And I know we're going to probably get a bunch more people picking this up next week for the finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that always, those always tend to do well for us. So this would be actually a great week. If you haven't to go on and give us five stars, say one nice sentence about us or uh, don't just star us. Yeah, whatever. Um, but this is a good time for, I know people are going to be Googling and looking up pretty little liars podcasts, of course, uh, yeah. before next week. So this would be, this is a nice time for us to try and get out there. I think that we are the only I'm 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 just going to go out on a limb here. I think we are the only pretty little liars based podcast where both hosts have very substantial beards. Well, we haven't seen the other. We haven't seen the bros guy. I, the bros I don't say their names. Okay. I think, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I I I think that this is the case. Okay. I've seen it's, I've seen Twitter things. It's true. I have a beard again. Sometimes I don't, but it's back. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's back. My beard's getting pretty unruly. Yeah, can you hear it? In the... It's just you're just rubbing it, <laughs> just brushing just it, just stroking. Yeah, it. I got a couple more good weeks, and then I think it's gonna be. It gets to the point where I hate it, and I hate trimming it, so I just shave the whole thing. But then I don't shave, and then six months, you know, three months later, I'm back in this predicament once again. Mm-hmm. And it's warming up. You know, the cold weather's starting to go away. It's true. I just, I just feel so good with a beard. I feel so manly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I feel more myself now that I've been living in Portland for a few years and had a beard for a good chunk of that. Like, it feels a lot more natural to have it. Mm-hmm. And when I don't have it, you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe I could have a beard again. Oh my maybe God, that so would be nice. Face. <laughs> it's true it's a lot too much face it's a lot it's a lot to handle uh well thank you for for tuning in as always uh hope you have enjoyed this season and enjoyed our theorizing uh before next week's finale and uh and you know uh next week let's lunch bitches